Do you know what's worse than forgetting to wear mufti on a mufti day? Coming to school in your school clothes on costume parade day. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Roger. And welcome to The Middle. Where we try to have thoughtful conversations. About awkward topics. On our search to find the middle. announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I act as if God exists. Put your masks on. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Andy, how are you doing? Oh, a little bit of it in a bad mood, to be honest. Bad mood. <laughs> tell, do tell. So this is like first world problem, but I ordered some delivered food for, for the boy for dinner, like, uh, six, maybe 6.30 p.m. or something. And yeah. I chose the one that was like going to be the fast delivery so he could have dinner, get him to bed. And, uh, you know, I'm waiting. I'm usually not like sweating on the countdown time or whatever. Where's my food? But like I kept looking at it and nothing was happening. So it was like 7 o'clock turned into 8 o'clock. And I'm like, nah, this is ridiculous. So I went to try and do something in the app because I was like, you know, it's for my son. He's got to go to bed. And yeah. I went to cancel it because I was just going to go and do something else, right, for him. And there's no option to cancel it. This is men- menu log, right? So I'll name and shame them. There's no, like, cancel button or anything like that. And then I finally find this obscure chat function. And then I start chatting saying, hey, look, you guys said you could deliver it in, like, 15 minutes, which is what it said. That's why I ordered that one in the first place. It's now, like, I don't know, an hour and a half later. And... I want to cancel it because I have to do something else for him. You, you guys aren't, you failed, right? Too slow. And they said, oh, we can't cancel it. We we can't give you a refund. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, you, you failed. Like, you said you could deliver it. I'm sure I'm not, like, going to hold you to 15 minutes, but, like, come on, an hour and a half. And they said, oh, yeah. it's, it's I've, I've just checked. It's due to arrive at 9 p.m. Like, no. <laughs> 9 p.m.? Like, I ordered oh this God. at 6.30. Like, you can't, you can't say 9 p.m. that that's, like, and then say, I can't cancel it. Okay, I have to pull out the big guns. So I said, you, you do know I have rights under the Australian consumer law, don't you? So I do expect a full refund otherwise, you know, a big, strong consumer and you want to flex your muscles. And then, like, the chat just disappeared. <laughs> I got the equivalent of being hung up on by a chatbot. And <laughs> and then I just, my blood boiled. So what happened? Did you get, you, didn't, you haven't got your money back then? Uh, well, then, so, like, I, there was no way to contact menu log. I, the food came eventually. It's just before nine o'clock now. Don't use menu log. And what happened is that sponsor. <laughs> so <laughs> Uber Eats, uh, <laughs> DoorDash. We're, we're taking. We can. We've got room for another sponsor. If you, we, if you we've obviously revealed that we will actively slag off the competition. So <laughs> give us a um, call. You know, I've had uh, I've had lots of experiences with either really late food like you've said or cancellations at the last moment right oh cancellations um, at the last yeah. moment it's so bad right it's just like you know they have the food and for whatever reason they've decided oh, it's not worth it i'm just gonna cop the fine or whatever it is and or not get paid or whatever i've always wondered what happens in that regard right because i called the restaurant one time it was taking ages and the, the driver was allocated and all that kind of stuff. And then he pulled out at the last minute. It just said that driver's cancelled. That's it. And I called up the restaurant. They're like, oh, yeah, he's got the food. I'm like, well, he's not my driver anymore. He's he's done the run. <laughs> like, what happens? Is that is that like, I don't know, is that the ultimate gig economy? Like, I'm just going to round up and <laughs> uh, some bucks, but then the last meal I'm just going to eat and then leave <laughs> and never come back. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's, that's one way business to model. <laughs> yeah, but I've had that. I've had that heaps of times, but... That was through Uber Eats and they have a lot of um, cancel options and things like that, but it doesn't help because you don't have your food. <laughs> and if you're the kind of person who has had Uber Eats, you're obviously not prepared. Like you're not, it's not like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just whip something up. It's like, no, I ordered Uber Eats because I don't have my life together and I, and I, can't, I don't have any other options. So if you cancel on me, uh, you know, like I'm fucked. I mean, I, I get the... Uh the whole thing that Uber at the end of the day is just connecting you with like a driver, right? And and that's their business model, right? They're not employees or anything like that. So at one level, you can't 
quite attack Uber for cancelling like or being negligent or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, hey, I'm, I don't care what you do behind the scenes. I've paid you money. I expect the food to come right and on time and at the time you said like if your algorithm sucks then don't don't make a commitment that you can do it get out of business like anyway i just i just think um i mean the other one we have is um because we're in an apartment block from time to time we'll get like a really lazy delivery rider and like sorry i just want to say as an aside like i think most delivery riders, like I, I, I try and be like super nice to and even give a tip every now and then and all that stuff because I think, you know, they, they don't necessarily get paid all that much and they work pretty hard and, and whatever else. So, but there are some that are just absolute, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, there's so. a reason, yeah, like <laughs> there is, there's a reason they're doing that and not something else because like, um, anyway, so they'll just leave the food on the street, like, because I can't be bothered to walk in to come into the unit and it's, and we say, no, no, come to unit our unit whatever and they just leave it on the road i'm like no it's not good enough you gotta bring it to the door like you can get <laughs> anyway that's my other pet peeve, i mean but... on just like another another thing though like don't you think that it's always so unsatisfying because the food's not that hot <laughs> don't, don't you find that though and yeah. like you've just kind of lowered your expectations because of the convenience of it because if i'm honest with myself right like you never really get hot food from uber eats never or any delivery service, right? So say if you're ordering a burger and fries, it's not going to be like, it's going to be a shell of itself from eating it at the restaurant. Oh, like absolutely. Yeah. But that goes for like takeaway more generally, but then Uber Eats is just another level of like quality degrade sort of thing. But one of the other things that's happened to me before, I ordered a pizza, got the pizza and like, it was just like the box. And then this just like mush of like compacted pizza down one side of the box like so whoever was <laughs> whoever was donuts in the car yeah and they were kind of, like it's like they thought they had oh i've got like three pizzas to deliver i know a really efficient way to take them i'll just put them upside down or on the side and <laughs> strap them to the bike that way that that's a really that'll be really good and actually like to the credit of uber eats when you do have these issues like well i find anyway i can't speak for any other people's experience but when i have a problem uber doesn't even question the story they just like here's your refund like straight away and and they're super fast like they're they like they don't they their business model is is just to trust you and i suppose they've got algorithms to figure out if you're taking the piss or whatever but like that's how it works so if they do have these little mishaps from time to time that's your insurance policy as a consumer so you're confident to keep using it right so but it doesn't as you say it doesn't fix that what are we having for dinner though (laughs) I just think also some foods travel better than others, right? Like like Asian foods and Thai foods, they're fine. You can or you know, you, they can handle the travel, but burgers and chips especially, like I think that's an Uber Eats phenomenon, right? Like people didn't really do as much takeaway in that in that manner before. Yeah. Um it was mainly like Thai food and pizzas. And pizzas actually do travel really well because they have their little hot packs or whatever oven, portable oven that the guy's riding on his e bike or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think everyone's being tricked a little bit or just been, their psychology has been hacked because they're too lazy and, and too overwhelmed by the end of the day. Yeah. So did you get your um, pamphlet in the mail? I did actually. Well, I have a very bad habit of uh, not checking the mail. I've always been like that. I just kind of feel like anything that comes to you, that's served to you, that has one of those little um, transparent little letterbox things, nothing good comes from that ever. Like nothing. So I just really hate checking the mail and I never do. But uh, my parents actually, you know, like most people of that generation, religiously check the mail. And so one day I just came down and was sitting there on the uh, kitchen table. What about you? Yeah, so we are talking about the pamphlet for the yes, no vote on The Voice. That's- oh, I thought you were talking about the... Um, I thought you were talking about the prep pamphlet. Oh, <laughs> I'm not on that mailing list. <laughs> I thought um, I got off, but I'm back on. So actually... It's funny you say you never check the mail because I never check the mail either. And in fact, I don't know if I got my pamphlet because I haven't checked the mail. So, um, <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I all think you it must be like our generation. <laughs> but all you get in, in the letterbox is either a bill or junk mail, right? Like, who sends, do people even send like letters of just like, do, do <laughs> you, you people what, don't um, send letters anymore? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Once you want to read. Get, uh, I used to get this, um, Happy Chinese New Year from my uh, local government member. And I thought to myself, 
is he just like pulling out all the Asian last names in his electorate and like sending them? Because I spoke to my friend who lived in the area who was white and they didn't receive one. It's like, I don't you know, know it's true. It's totally, it's totally what happens. <laughs> I'm down with the Asians. <laughs> so we got the official pamphlet. So it's actually like, just as we've been speaking, I pulled it up you know, off the AEC website. So if anyone wants to look at it, you can download it from aec.gov.au. And it's a pretty bland document, right? It's um hmm. it's not an exciting document. It's not it's not like there's no pictures of like, I don't know, dying children if you don't vote yes or vice versa if you do vote yes. It's it's very it's just black and white. It's like, I don't know, some shade of official government shade of grey. Yeah, what have you? I haven't read it because I've just pulled it up now, but um, what did you think of it? Yeah, it felt a little bit icky, to be honest, but like for the wrong reasons. I think that, uh, you know, I almost, I, I feel like it's their version of trying to strip the branding off cigarettes. <laughs> They're like, we can't allow... Plain, pack, plain package. Yeah, it's plain package. Right? Like, we, we can't allow anything, right? Like, I, don't want, I do not want to like be manipulated by disadvantage like indigenous youth right as soon as like or or whatever may happen like on the other side right so i think that they've just gone okay you literally have print and that's it right so i think it is good in a way but it's very very easy to kind of push aside and i think that's the problem with it right like i don't think it's going to reach the right audience so that's number one right now when it comes to the format I actually haven't seen anything like that before where it's literally, it reads left to right. <laughs> so, like, each page has the case for voting yes on the left and the immediate case for voting no on the right. And so, yeah, I've never really seen that before. But the problem is they don't really match up because they've been written and constructed from two very different sides that obviously haven't really communicated that much. So, like... Yeah, like I, I kind of, it is generally like obviously explaining why you should vote yes or why you should vote no, but they're not really having a debate or an argument. They're just, they're like next to each other, <laughs> you know, shouting into the void. I must admit, I'm having a look at the two sides now. So, a few, well, a few episodes, I don't know what episode number it was, but we had our episode on The Voice and I think we landed in favour of, of voting yes, but we did have some sort of aspects of it that we were a little bit, unsure about but i must admit i'm just looking at the no um, side versus the yes i gotta say like um maybe maybe to throw it to you there's one there's one that's much more compelling to me at least superficially um than the other do you have any thoughts on which one which side did a better job yeah look i mean i think to me absolutely the 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 no summary hits a bit harder and that's just because like the nature of like it just pops a bit more, right? Because they're using negative words that invoke a bit of meaning. And in some ways, maybe it's the bold text as well, right? Like, for example, you know, on the first page for yes, they have things like voting yes is about in, you know, in a medium text, recognition, listening, better results, right? Now, these are all things that, of course, yeah, of course we want recognition, listening, and better results, but whatever, right? They're kind of like motherhood statements. Mm. And then you look to your pan to the right, <laughs> and in bigger, bolder capital text, <laughs> it has risky, unknown, divisive, <laughs> and permanent. And then it says, this, vo- this voice is legally risky. And, like, they've done it so much better because, like, the text is bigger, it's all caps, and there's stronger words. So immediately you're like, <laughs> immediately you're like, oh, my God. And even the way that they've put 10 reasons to vote no. It's like, oh, man, this is like the Ten Commandments. They're like getting biblical here, right? <laughs> but it's like there's not just one reason to vote no. We've got 10 for you. Yeah, and I don't even want to read all 10, but just <laughs> the fact that you said that you had 10, I believe you. I mean, the, the yes side of the pamphlet, it's you're totally right about the motherhood statements. It doesn't <laughs> – the funny thing is, it's like, how, how can a voter make any sense of this, right? Point four in the yes – pamphlet says bring our country it like brings our country together and then in the no it says it's divisive right <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's like how like it divides us right literally like it, i i do think i mean so okay so to begin with you're, you're right about like a negative campaign i think is much easier to run than a positive one right so that's built in but a lot of the stuff that we talked about has come to fruition right like the scare campaigns the 
just not being able to communicate, the support's eroded since we had that episode. And I think, you know, some of the commentary we made around like the way it was run and that they didn't build like enough consensus before they pulled the trigger. I think they've they failed really. I don't I can't see the mm. referendum succeeding. I don't think those in the yes camp have any idea how to convince the rest of Australia to communicate it. Like how out of touch some of the like th- those out there campaigning on the street are like so you'll see like in, in my mind like the classic person that i'm thinking of is this i know someone in their 60s like basically a a, a boomer hippie who seen themselves as progressive usually like i don't know like a six-year-old woman with short gray hair with like these earrings like these big over-the-top earrings maybe even purple hair or something like that wearing some funky sweater holding up a big vote yes sign or and not realizing that like that person being a representative for the yes vote is actually going to turn people off voting yes because the people yeah. who like are in middle australia see this as like a uh, like an inner city elite kind of lefty obsessed lefty thing right and yeah. if it's portrayed in that way, that's going to discourage people from voting for it just because of how they perceive it and, and all the connotations of, yeah, the proponents of it. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I totally agree, right? And I think that, unfortunately, I, I, will have to, I will have to agree that this referendum doesn't look like it's going to get up in terms of the metrics that are around there and even just, you know, like, the, the feeling of the people that I've spoken to as well. I will say that the no side of the pamphlet has been constructed very well. They could have gotten a lot harder and a lot more on the offensive, and they haven't. And when you read it um, collectively, it does sound very measured, right? But very effective as well in the way that they put the 10 reasons. And I think that what I quite liked about it is that they had a section on at the end, right? So let me just scroll to it. It says that there are better ways forward, right? And I think that that was like quite a good line that they ended on. So they said, number nine, the voice will be permanent. And 10, there are better ways forward. And then they finished, like the the coup de grace, (laughs) they finished with this line in in bold saying, uh, if you don't know, vote no. And I thought that, okay, they must have been dying to put something more slogany up the top. But they, they showed restraint and they waited to the end. And it's the equivalent of, you know, the OJ line, you know, if the if the glove don't fit, <laughs> you must acquit, right? It's just like that catchy little thing that it's like, yeah, that kind of sums it up, right? Like, and I was reflecting on our chat, our episode about the voice, and we had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a back and forth about strategically, is it better to provide more information or less? And I think, you know, tipping my hat to you, I think that they definitely messed that up. And you can see how they're attacking it here, right? If you don't know, vote no. There's too many unknowns too much risk, and I think they're playing into that quite well without going too negative. Are you still, in your view, inclined to vote yes, or have you had a change in your attitude since we last spoke about it? Look, I think that I'm still inclined to to vote yes, but I will say that since we recorded that episode, uh, my company and a few other sources that uh, are along the way have held um, much more in-depth conversations with a range of indigenous rep- representation. And I must say that the the people that are talking about the no vote from the indigenous side I have have kind of nudged me and my thinking a little bit differently as well. That actually, you know, that this is 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 not potentially the way forward. And I guess from that episode, the reason that I voted a reluctant yes was much more about the divisive nature and how do how do we take a step forward to something else and not leave any more lasting damage and trauma. So it was more about that rather than me thinking this is the right way forward. So I must say that um, I'm still in that camp, but I do worry a little bit like what kind of scars this will leave us when it ultimately fails, right? It doesn't look good, right? I mean, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, right? You can have very nuanced and legitimate reasons either way, but (laughs) just like yeah, you can imagine the headlines like internationally. Australia votes no for, yeah. you know, because it's also um, constitutional recognition as well. Although I'm not sure if it's if it's the same question or there's two. I'm actually, I'm not sure how they're structuring the the vote, but it just sounds so bad. Australians, Australia votes no, mm-hmm. votes against Indigenous Australia. Like, 
It doesn't look good. But I think actually, you know what, like I'll, I'll double down on, on some of the things I said in the last episode when we discussed it. I really do think the, the government, the, like the federal government, hasn't handled this the right way. They've... And and they've done it for political reasons, and I think that's what's most disappointing. It's it reminds me a little bit of um, the Greens voting down an emissions trading scheme because it it wasn't perfect in their eyes. It was imperfect, but you know, imagine if they voted in favour of it, we'd have an emissions trading scheme. <laughs> now we don't have yeah. anything. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of I think you know when you play politics on these things, it, it blows yeah. up in your face. So I think they should have. They should have taken the time to make sure that both sides of politics, you know, were, were kind of on the same page and there was consensus, but they, they just yeah. wanted to, I don't know, it's like they were exuberantly, I mean, they'd won an election and they just pushed forward with it and, yeah. Like we said in that episode, it was hard to tell whether Albanese actually had a mandate to push this through. Um, I wasn't sure how much of a platform he ran on this. But look, I want to I read, like, and it looks like we're being quite negative on the S campaign here. I do want to read an element of number 10, right? Because I think this is, as like you said, that middle Australian reading this, how they would respond in a very according way, right? So let me let me read this to, to the listeners, right? So number 10 is in the, no, in the no side is there are better ways forward. This referendum is not about simply recognizing Indigenous Australians in the Constitution. That can be achieved without tying it to a risky, unknown and permanent voice. Recognition has widespread support of Australians. However, this voice proposal is the problem. There are many Australians who oppose a voice on principle. Others might be willing to consider a less risky voice option, but the government has not given you this choice. When previous changes to the constitution have been proposed, there has been a constitutional convention to properly consider options and details. No such process happened here. This process was rushed and heavy-handed. This approach isn't unifying or effective, it's divisive. Like, that's pretty... <laughs> See what I mean? Like, you could have made that so much more scathing and negative, right? Talk about mm-hmm. incompetence and about political gamesmanship and all this kind of stuff. But those are the facts, right? Like, those are the raw facts. And it doesn't read well. It's, like, very damning, in, in like you said, in, in how the government's handled this. And I don't know too many, like, middle Australians that would read that and, and disagree. Just to just to go to the equivalent points on <laughs> in the yes in the yes camp, what the legal experts say constitutionally and legally sound will enhance our system of government. No veto power. The parliament and government have final sign off. Then goes to cite a chief justice of the high court um, and professor of law. The voice is a big idea, but not a complicated one. It's low risk for high return. The voice will provide a practical opportunity for First Peoples to give informed and coherent and reliable advice to the parliament and government. Yeah. When you have to quote, like, <laughs> people like that, I mean, don't these people realise that the, the, the average Australian does is, is actually distrusts this idea that experts kind of should be telling them how to live their life and what they should want and not want. Like, have we learned anything from COVID? That- <laughs> yeah. I also love the number five on the S yes campaign where it has saved money. <laughs> Just the goal, like, of putting that, putting that there, you know, like. <laughs> oh, God. Just, uh, all right. Let's move on to other more brighter topics. This week's book week, I think. I'm not sure if it's like book week or month or how it works, but um, I understand. Well, I know that we have had book week in this household uh, and I understand you did as well. Um, Tell me, what's book week? Yeah, look, book week is, I don't know why it's a whole week, number one. Book day doesn't sound as good. (laughs) (laughs) Book day sounds horrible. But uh, it's a bit of a celebration of, you know, literature and reading and all this kind of like literacy and what it culminates in i suppose is a parade where parents are obviously shanghaied into dressing up their their children their primary school children especially in a favorite book character right now everything is technically a book right and so there's obviously a bit of a onus on the parent to try to find the character which is appropriate <laughs> and not dress up as like you know the book version of the Marvel Avengers or whatever it is, but that does prop up and make it into a glorified Halloween session at school. But uh, yeah, that's kind of, I think, where a lot of the stress comes. Now, there's a lot of different events along the way, 
like that they celebrate books and, and I think that that's a good thing. But uh, the star of the show is definitely, you know, the dressing up as your favorite book character. How did it go down in your household? Yeah, so just just to speak to the different characters and, and that, like, it, it, <laughs> I've, I've got to say, like, at least one in two characters were not from a book at uh, my son's school parade. And the other thing we noticed creeping in was these really, like, uh, kind of leaps of faith to try and connect sports colors, like sports identities into into the book week so they'd like for example um someone would go dressed up as uh, you know they put on their wallabies jersey or something and then they'd they'd then they'd have the john eels biography uh in the parade you know just to prove that see it's, it's book it's, it's connected to a book no we had a few matildas uh yeah. we had uh, like girls with a i presume it was matildas or socceroos anyway australian soccer team you know shirt on there's a few kids that play ice hockey in his school, so they, they were like wet or their ice hockey gear. Um, kids with like soccer boots. I was like, how, how is this yeah, like getting out of hand? Yeah. Then we had the um, like video game characters as well. So like a few like Mario, Luigi's and stuff. And then like as you say, like the the Marvel costumes are big and all that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> book, yeah, it was. It was exactly as you say, like a glorified um, Halloween, you know, uh, costume party. Apart from that, you know, the less bit less scary. But um, yeah, in terms of the the household, um, our challenge was that well, we knew we had enough like advance notice, right? But my son really wanted to go as this really complicated character. It's like this animatronic character, and so when you're talking about costumes. You can go as simple as, all right, well, we'll we'll print off like a picture of the character's face, and we'll print it off and put on some cardboard, and you hold it up against your face, and we'll you know, keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> but my my son, he's all like, oh no, no, we've got to go and three D print the mask off. We've got to get the some foam to sculpt the foam costume, the you know the body <laughs> suit or whatever, and we need like. Um, I need to get like these snow globes to make the eyes like, you know, we're going to have some lighting for the eyes and uh, I'm not we're not making this. It's going to take like a hundred hours of time. Becomes like and, a cosplay festival. And um, just as an aside, like even like, I mean, we, we, we slowly killed the 3d printing proposal by, well, we went actually into the shop like to try and just at least find out what it would cost to 3d print it. And it ended up being like a couple of hundred dollars to print like a mask. And then, but before that, it was showing me which, like, we were looking at, you can download files. And the one I found, I thought, oh, we could probably print that. It was like one piece that, um, you know, it would be simple, I guess. But they said, oh, no, no, I don't want that one. And then he shows me the one he wants. And it's like got like 20 constituent parts that you have to connect <laughs> together. And then it's like, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so long story short, we, um, I did buy him, um, you know, from Stranger Things. There's like the Hellfire. Um, yeah. Yeah, like it's, I don't know, there's Hellfire Club in Stranger Things. Anyway, I bought him that. I thought, okay, just whack on a shirt. That'll, that'll do. And he didn't want to, he didn't, he didn't want to do it. So he just went in mufti and that was it. So anyway, so we, oh, really? we, we he, <laughs> well, he, he wanted to, out of it. Yeah, he did. He just, he said, no, if I can't go as my special animatronic figure, I don't want to go as anything. So go hard or go home. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how about you? Yeah, look, um, my daughter went as a quite obscure little character, so I think you know most of us wouldn't realise, but it was specific to a particular kid series um, that's not that well known. So that was easy, just like some wings on the back and like a, a wand and things like that. Um, so that was that was okay. I did go to the parade though at the school, right? And um, I don't know, have you been to the parades before? I was at a parade this morning. Oh, you were okay. Well, yeah. So th- I went to one. Um, to see my daughter and dress up and so on. And essentially, they walk around the quadrangle in a very regimented line. <laughs> and they, yeah, they go from you know youngest to oldest, and uh, the teachers have to go. And the teachers just look like they're just like dead on their feet, right? And they, I know from from many different sources, reliable sources, that book week is a stressful week for teachers. <laughs> um, they have to; they're expected to pressured into doing all these different things with their own costumes and then they have to deal with the kids uh, the kids are extra rowdy because they're all in you know essentially it's like halloween for them like we said um so they hate it and i, I saw them kind of like parade around and just like i could just see the 
the light slowly flickering off from their eyes. <laughs> just like, <laughs> and they're all dressed up as like the um, the Mister Men characters. Um, so obviously, like they just had these big cardboard cutouts and things, um, and they were all like pretty somber, except for one male teacher who was like Mister <laughs> Strong, and um, he had like a full on foam muscle suit and like some fake barbells, and he was like cartwheeling around the quadrangle <laughs> doing like one-handed push-ups and like pretending to lift things and he's like not reading the room at all like not matching anyone's energy he was just like going off um and it was hilarious it's like dude you're already like the you know one or two male teachers out of all the females and you're just running amok i love it <laughs> but yeah there, there were a lot of um there were a lot of marvel characters i must admit too you know what really bugs me about book week like apart from the fact that i don't know whoever came up with it like the idea of dressing up like oh, like do they realize we don't have time to do this stuff like that this is like everyone's time poor and you throwing or whoever is coming up with it whether it's the school or whoever's idea because as you say the teachers probably don't like it either whoever's idea it is to make all these kids dress up in costumes have no idea how much productivity drag they have on the economy I just think it's like we don't need another, like we've now got Halloween, we've got Book Week. It's like we don't need another one of these. You know? <laughs> like, um, and the other thing I find with it, and I'm interested to hear how, how you feel about it given your um, new stay-at-home dad duties, but it, it takes an event like Book Week to show like the disparity of like spare time that some parents have so you can tell if a kid comes with this really elaborate costume that, that that's had a lot of work put into it and looks brilliant and amazing the kid hasn't done it it's the parents that have done it and yeah. the parents that volunteer and really into pnc and all that stuff like some of them have jobs too so they kind of do both but like it should be okay to not want to get into that stuff like it should be okay to just have a view that look my life's busy i'll send my kid to school but it doesn't mean that like i have to get into all that extra stuff as well like it <laughs> but like they're always sort of judge like a little bit judgy you know or yeah. you know we're doing a working bee um if you'd like to come sort of thing so I think, nah, actually I'm busy on the weekend. Like I don't want to come and fucking garden at the school. Like I want to garden in my garden because it needs, a, needs to be gardened before I bloody go, go and garden in a school. Like Department of Education yeah. can pay some money to clean it up. Why, why do I? I pay, I pay my taxes. Well, I think like you said, there's a social status thing, right? It's like a keeping up with the Joneses. It's about how involved you are. Now, look, I mean, I think that judgment just is part of it, right? When, when, you, when parents get together. Um, it's like the, you know, a microcosm of this is when there's some kind of mufty day, right? Where kids are dressed in casuals instead of their school uniform. And you're the parent that forgot about it <laughs> and sent their kid in with the uniform. And now they have to walk around the schoolyard all day with the, <laughs> with like standing out. Do you know what's worse than forgetting to wear mufty on a mufty day? Coming to school in your school clothes on costume parade day. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and look at the parade that I went to. There was a fair few that were in their sports uniform, right? So I don't know whether that was like their version of Mufti, or they had totally forgot about it. <laughs> they only have um, two best sets of clothes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's the home and away uh, uniforms, but I think it's just yeah. Look, I mean, also we're talking about public schools here, right? So I can only imagine if you were in some kind of like posh private school like how amped up this would be right and it i wouldn't be surprised if there were you know groups of parents who got together and used like costume designers and stuff like that um and had them you know they'd all be rented and like bought like they wouldn't i can't imagine them like doing any real effort to make them but well you say that but uh, actually like i think it's some of the, i won't name the names but some of the private schools actually have on their on their staff like costume designers for the drama and like, uh, you know, the art, dramatic arts, right? They actually have a, seamst a seamstress or a, cost a costumes person. Isn't that crazy? Given that for a public school, you can't even find the uniform. You have to go to like a Lowe's or something. They don't even have like a uniform shop. All right. So are you in mourning? Are you talking about the mushroom lady? <laughs> no, I'm talking about um, the, the plane crash. Oh, so... Sorry, man. I don't think I know this one. Which is this? Which is this story? So you the know, crash. you know the the Wagner Group guy, Prigozhin. Yeah. Like, did you you see the plane crash? 
No, I think I missed this one. I, d- I do know. So this is oh, this is like this is big news today. So this is um, you know the Wagner Group dude, like the guy that led the coup. Yeah, and he um, Putin shot him, shot his plane down. <coughs> oh, he's actually dead. Yeah, <laughs> motherfucker. How does he do it? So he was flying in a plane, I think, from St. Petersburg to Moscow or something like that. And um, yeah, he was shot down by. I guess Putin ordered uh, ordered his plane to be downed, and he's dead. How how does he keep doing it, Putin? <laughs> I mean, this this guy had him on the ropes. Well, there aren't too many people who displease Putin that don't end up pushed out of a building or poisoned or whatever else. So, um, <laughs> I don't, like you'd be I'm, pretty I'm brave. Admit, though, that that's why that's why I like question that when he had all that momentum to use the Wagner troops to stage the coup and to push back territory and actually threaten the march on the Kremlin. Why did he roll over knowing full well that this would essentially lead to some kind of conflict like this? Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, but it does seem... So one of the... One of the pieces I read said Putin had to choose something dramatic for him because <laughs> he was such a such a traitor. So he didn't get he didn't get the um he didn't get poisoned on the off the tip of an umbrella like um, that. That's the that's safe for the low low victims. Then pushing out of the building maybe. Uh, but no, we'll, we'll um yeah <laughs> dramatic fashion. So who is actually leading the the Wagner group now? Then? Well, I Who's think it? that was who his, is his successor. Well, I think one of his offsiders, the director of operations, or God knows what they're called, um, was also on the plane. So there's actually two that died from that group. But I must have been like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really know anything more about it, their, their current role and how it all, like, I've lost track a bit of the conflict, but it just seems to be just like, a, it, it. look, it, I'll tell you what it does seem like. It does seem like, um, you know, when like in World War Two, when there was sort of a period where, things went really well early on for Germany and then once it started to appear like maybe their strategy wasn't going to work and it was actually going to be a real uphill battle, then you started to see like a few cracks emerge and, yeah, I think that's kind of – this just feeds into that. I mean, this isn't another battlefield victory for Russia like <laughs> Ukraine. This is, this is, this is something that's happened in Russia in response to the chain of events of a really stupid and bad decision to invade Ukraine. So yeah, yeah. but but saying that though, um, you know, I'm obviously playing catch up here. They haven't found the body. Uh, so <laughs> he's he's assumed dead, right? But yeah, uh, well, there's there's some speculation about. Is he really dead? You know, but I suppose if you wanted to fake your own death, you could do it. But it does seem probably not the best way to fake your own death because planes don't just drop out of the sky, right? So there has to be some collateral damage. Like, yeah, (laughs) you have to. It has to be plausible, right? Like, it has to be. Oh, um, he. I don't know. He went for a swim and he didn't return or something. I don't know. Like it can't be. Yeah, um, the old Jeff Buckley. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a little bit too artificial if it weren't real. So I'm kind of inclined to think that he's dead and and um, not to buy into. I have no immediate reason to buy into uh, any conspiracy theories. But it's just another like one of those interesting developments in this in this war. Which um, I mean, it's it, it, it's probably not right for us to sort of treat it as like, um, you know, kind of soap opera gossip. It's obviously a serious thing affecting many lives, but yeah, just, um, God, what a train wreck. It's, it's gone on for so long now, you know. I remember when we recorded the Ukraine episode, I thought, you know, so much is going to change and, and things are going to kind of twist and turn, but really it's, it's forming that kind of attrition <laughs> And it's just uh, it's just looking hopeless, and the the news coverage is now very patchy. So, speaking of mourning, did you watch the the news coverage of the mushroom poisoning case and the <laughs> and the lady? I mean, uh, they got some pretty good stills from this lady in terms of her feeling sorry for uh, her actions. You know, have you been have you been following that one? Uh, look, I well following it. I, I'm across it, but I've got to say, like. 
she is a cartoon character, isn't she? Like, she's just, <laughs> if you wanted to design a character who's almost a bit like, um, I'm just trying to think who I've got in my mind. Like, I don't know. Do you watch um, Fargo, like the TV series? Yeah, yeah, that's it's in that it's in that kind of uh, universe. Yeah, and and like <laughs> there's a character in um, I think it's the le- most recent season where she, the, with the nurse. Do you know the nurse that I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like secretly like murdering everybody. <laughs> like she gives me the, that kind of vibe. Like she's she's sort of on the face of it, like has, like looks like she's got an IQ of about seventy five, but like. It, Either she does have an IQ of 75 and she th- and that led to her thinking this was a good idea to kill people for whatever reason. Or she's like this serial killer that's like plays like the, you know, the sweet, innocent, harmless sort of <laughs> imbecile. But um, she's like, yeah, a serial killer or, in, in, in the nighttime. Or this is really um, quite out of turn. But <laughs> there are some stills of her where she looks quite like... Uh, Julie Goodwin, who won the first season of MasterChef Australia. <laughs> Sorry, Julie. Um, but it's it just that's the right angle. I'm like, she's about to kill someone or is she about to win MasterChef? So perhaps um, maybe just for anyone who's not really sure of the context of this, do you want to give like a bit of an overview of the saga, the mushroom saga? Well, I think, um, what, what is it? So, at the heart of the poisoning lies a traditional British dish, <laughs> a beef wellington. And this kind of, I guess, what do you call her? Um, mother of two, maybe? Erin Patterson. Uh, she served up this dish and, you know, to, to, to a bunch of people, um, including her parent-in-laws, so her parents-in-law, um, and a local pastor. And essentially, this dish had uh, mushrooms in it that were death caps. And six days later, I think two or three of her guests would go on to pass away. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the next kind of two to three days, right? So obviously death caps are incredibly poisonous. I think they're one of the most poisonous mushrooms on the planet. And basically she's kind of playing the, the you know, she's playing the victim in all this saying that, she didn't know, you know, she got sick as well and her kids got sick. Uh, and actually, it was just a dodgy Asian supermarket that gave her the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a bit low to go after the Asians, but I probably would believe it if it was anyone. <laughs> it does seem like the, the thing, oh, like I'm a bit un- hot under the collar here. I know, I'll, bl- I'll blame like, I'll blame Miracle Mart, you know. <laughs> I couldn't read the packet. <laughs> it was in Chinese. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so I guess there's a couple of other very, I mean, you painted almost a generous picture of the circumstances. There's a few other kind of incriminating details, including um, she didn't eat it. Her and her children didn't die. So even though apparently they're at the same or involved in the same dinner setting, her don't know if like so it was her parents in law, but like it was her ex. Uh, I think they're like separated, or there's something a bit weird going on. Like I'm not sure. Usually, like if parents still like hang out with their <laughs> their, their children's like ex partner or whatever, if that's a thing. But anyway, that aside, it's definitely not. <laughs> um, that aside, it, there's a weird thing about how her former partner son of the parents who who died was in hospital last year with like the same kind of thing he survived but it so it's like it's not the first time something like this has happened then there's like the i think there was like a food processor that was like rushed and thrown away and it was in a at a in a located in a tip that you know um she mysteriously lost you know um then there's a couple of other things like some house that she rented there was like all this writing on the wall saying like i'm gonna kill you and like all these cartoon drawings of just with all this oh i heard that last one oh that's like a movie there's definitely gonna be a daytime movie about this lady (laughs) totally it's ripe for it it's this is like a netflix special if i've ever seen one 
um, or a true crime. But like th- this is true crime with a twist, right? You can you can jazz this up with a bit of comedy in a w- in the way that you can't um, some of the other true crime series on Netflix. So yeah, but um, but see the thing is like the police can't arrest her for really anything because or well, certainly so I suppose right the first is like there's a few scenarios one it could be like she had nothing to do with it so it could be there was you know there was some other thing that's happened it could yeah. be um yes she was involved in serving it but un- completely unknowingly it could be like you say like well, like she says like the Asian Mart sort of uh, mushrooms that could be actually what happened um then there could be like another scenario in between where she, yes, it wasn't. No, they weren't mushrooms from the Asian March. She did go like foraging for mushrooms and she found these mushrooms that she thought was good and she actually genuinely fucked up. But she's, yeah. you know, blaming it on others, but it was quite innocent. Or it could be like, no, nah, um, <laughs> I want you dead. <laughs> and I don't know. This, this lady has more smoke around her than Kevin Spacey, if I'm honest. <laughs> did, did you see the, um, that show, so you know, like this, that that um, true crime documentary, um, the staircase. Yeah, yeah, I did. Did Did you see the dramatization of it, like with um, um, Tony Collette and um, I can't remember who else was in it, but oh, was it Colin Firth or someone? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch that? No, and I, I didn't actually would have watched it if I didn't watch the original serious but i felt like putting myself through that actual <laughs> documentary was enough and i didn't i didn't want to go back there <laughs> well the one unique thing they do in that um in the dramatization is that they actually show you three different models of like like scenarios of how she died and like <laughs> well for anyone who doesn't know this show it's like this this guy he's like a bit of an eccentric character and his wife dies and it's like he actually went to jail um like that he murdered her but then he actually got out of jail eventually sorry no that's that's probably spoiling the plot line but anyway it, it's it's a really good series but it's it shows the whole saga of the whole thing but but the most <laughs> the, the most uh, one of the most out there kind of theories is that like an owl flew into the house and an owl yeah like haven't have you heard haven't you heard the owl theory no no, so the, so this is like legit, like one of the theories for for the staircase, like that that particular case, was that an owl flew into the house or was already in the house for some reason, and then got its claws into like because they're trying to explain how she had all these lacerations, and that the claws like lacerated her like her scalp, and then that caused her to like fall over and all that sort of stuff. And then there's like the other scenario where she just genuinely just falls, like trips and falls, but then falls in such a like a violent way that she gets all the scars and all the you know everything that happened to her. But they they show both, like they show, but they, it's they, like they a, re, they recreate with the owl. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dramatization. It just but, looks. But, but why? <laughs> why an owl? Why why so specific? Like not, because not the reason is because. Well, first, like, okay, so they're trying to think of, like, what's the alternate explanation, right? And there's certain lacerations that she had. So, that's that covers that. But I think where they, the reason it came up as, like, a, a legit, like, kind of theory was they did find, I think, some feathers in the sort of, I, I, like, I, I'm a bit hazy on the details, but they did actually find, like, owl, these owl feathers either in her like body or like or in the surrounding area so it was like well this all you know points to, and and it, and apparently it has happened like something like this has happened before so <laughs> we're at hogwarts <laughs> like it was owl is already in the house waiting for her <laughs> anyway but owls were peaceful <laughs> But that that's um that's a long a long way of um, looping this back to the mushroom story is that I think they should make a similar series, but w- yeah, with like the same three scenarios, like how how she did it, like what actually happened, because like only she knows. She's the only one that knows. Yeah, and she's not going to tell anyone if she if she murdered. Like, <laughs> but I, I don't understand why. Like, if obviously this is not a major thing, right? But if it really was, do you think that the surveillance capability of you know 
Australia or the USA could actually piece this together. If it was of national interest, they could actually like tap the phones, satellite, like all these different things. Do you think that they could put it together and answer these questions? Do you mean like retrospectively, like for past events? Yeah, like like pull the the mobile data, pull the 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 messages, the um the phone calls, get satellite, CT, you know, surveillance and all this kind of stuff. Could they do it, do you think? I think they don't retain much data that like isn't isn't the whole problem that they don't they just don't like sure there's like cameras and stuff, but they have they're just the storage to kind of Yeah, they just they're not like and I don't know, maybe that's something that will change in the future. But, but like, it, do, it does seem that that's, yeah, I mean, I like that, but that's a totally plausible proposition that, that they'll come up with something like even, that. Even just the messages, right? Like, if she truly is how she presents with like a sub 80 IQ, like you said, surely she's left a paper trail, you know, like 10 miles wide. <laughs> she's got like receipts from you know, where she bought the mushrooms or calls or she's asking someone or she's done some research. Like someone pulled this lady's Google searches. I bet you. You see, it's just everything's just super shady with this. <laughs> I don't know whether you've found this and maybe I'm just a bit more aware about it because of all this like, you know, explosion about psychedelics and psilocybin and all this kind of stuff from mushrooms. But what it has shown to me is that there is a thriving and very, very passionate mushroom like enthusiast body (laughs) they just love mushrooms like you and i would love like you know dogs or like other things like they have this real passion for it and they they believe that they're alive and that they are almost like a higher life form and i bet that these people all over it they're like volunteering hours of their their free time to like take this lady down because she's giving such a bad name to mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) maybe they planted it a revenge for last year's mushroom incident. <laughs> All right. So we better call it a day today. So another episode of um, what are we calling this one? Last week's news today. Last week's news today. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> episode two. <laughs> All right. Andy. All right. Ciao.